Hey, my name is Mark Mocha. I grew up in the Upper West Side of Manhattan. I was always drawn to the ocean, so when I graduated with plans of going to school out in California. <laughs> I wanted to hang out and surf and, and, and party and have fun. Well, that's what I did. You know, and I loved it. I loved that lifestyle. My first wife, she was in San Diego for her spring break, and I had a little bungalow on the beach. We liked each other, and uh, we kind of you know, hooked up a little bit. Like, oh my gosh, okay. I just kind of went along with it, and she wanted to kind of settle down and have kids. The uh, next thing I knew, I was uh, married and living on Long Island, and the two cars, and the three kids, and I was like, wow, you know, how did this happen? How did we go from being this free-spirit hippie couple to this square couple? I did it, but how did it happen? I don't know. How did I get here? I remember it like it was yesterday. I was watching this stupid movie on TV. Point Break. About these guys that surf. You can only surf, party, and make love for so long before it's time to go to work. Rock and roll. On the side, they'd put on president masks and go rob banks. And I was like, wow, I could do that. Well, that's like a really good idea. And when I woke up in the morning, I was even more convinced it was like a really good idea. I was like figuring that if I could just steal enough money, you know, I could make the world a better place and feed the homeless. And, and uh, two weeks later, I robbed my first bank. Since I hadn't been involved in crime, I, I actually went at it as an intellectual exercise. You know, how do I get in? How do I get out? I watched movies. I, I read books. And, you know, it just made sense. I, I think the hardest part about it was just, you know, getting up the nerve to do it, you know. I picked out a place and still went there twice before I actually did it. I went there twice and couldn't do it. And the third time I went there and I did it. I went with minimal makeup. I put my hat on. I put my jacket on. I walked to the bank. I was very calm. And when I went to the teller, I motioned in my hand that I had a gun in my pocket, which I never produced. And I told the teller that this is a robbery. She just filled out the bag and gave me the money. And people standing in line, nobody knew. The bank tellers, you know, the, the, the president, nobody knew what was going on because I didn't cause a scene. I passed the bag to the next teller, and the, and the other teller just took the bag and started pulling money out of it that I just got from the first teller. He thought I was making a deposit. And, and, and I was like, uh, homeboy, it's a robbery, you know? And he looked at me like, what? Two minutes later, I was walking out of the bank with a bag full of money. It was an incredible rush. I mean, it was just absolutely stunning. It was like everything was heightened, you know, I could see everything. And I got in my car and I drove away and I drove home. Dumped the bag on the bed and almost gasped at all the money that was in there. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> it worked. About $60,000. I wanted to do like a decent proposal, like just like rolling the money. Like, ooh, it's seductive. I had to check myself three times to make sure I didn't get shot. You know? <laughs> Maybe I missed something, but no. And it was off to the races, that was it. All that talk about changing my life and all this other stuff went right out of my head. And I continued robbing banks. Eventually, I just stopped working. It became like a job to me, you know, go rob a bank. And it was so ridiculous. One time, I just went out and robbed a bank. It's actually the second time I robbed it. And I walked in, and the lady looks up, and she goes, oh, it's you. 
Yeah, I remember. Top drawer, bottom drawer, no bait, no funny money. And she remembered me from the first time. And she just filled up the bag with money and sent me on my way. You know, and it's not funny because, I mean, I terrorize people. I never really physically hurt anybody, but I certainly, you know, psychologically hurt people. I never confided in anybody. Nobody knew what I was doing. My ex-wife was a therapist. You know, intellectually, she knew there was something wrong, you know, that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't the same person anymore. And it worried her, and so she wanted me to go to this therapist. And so I, I went, you know, and uh, but all I had to do was tell this guy what I was doing. Be honest to one person, and it would have ended right there. If I told somebody, it would become real. You know, it would put weight on it, and then not only would I know, they would know. You know, and then it became, you know, very real. It was a regular day, you know, at about 11 o'clock that night, I wanted a six-pack of beer and some beef jerky. I went to uh, the 7-Eleven, and I was sitting there at the intersection, tapping on my brakes. I noticed that the car behind me has, like, little red lights inside the grill, and there's two guys sitting in the front seat, and I was like, oh, that's interesting, it's a cop car, you know, because they always have the, the lights inside recess in the grill. And I started looking around me, and all of a sudden it became aware to me there was a whole bunch of guys in cars that looked just like cop cars at this intersection. And I got this feeling in my stomach. I said, oh, my God, you know, they're all over the place. The light turned green, and I just pulled in the 7-Eleven, and it took about two seconds before about 20 cars, like, screaming in the parking lot with their sirens flashing and the guns out. I was fatalistic in my thoughts. Part of me wanted death by cop. And there was this one moment where I just thought that maybe I should just reach under the seat and pretend like I had a gun under there and see what would happen. And, and I just said, nah. And they came running over to the car, pulled open the door and threw me out. Well, according to the police, I robbed nine banks in about 11 months. You know, one every month in a couple of days or whatever. <sighs> well, my wife found out on the news the news that morning, she looked at the news, and there, there was her husband being led away in cuffs. Suspected bank robbers behind bars. They sent me way up in northern New York State prison. And, you know, as far as you can start, you might as well be on Mars, because that's it, you're done there, you're done. <sighs> I had actually told people not to visit me, not to write me. My mom brought my kids once, and I told her, don't ever do that again, and to leave me alone. I'm probably not going to come out again, so, you know, just, this is it, you know, don't come visit me anymore. I spent the first six years of my time fighting, getting uh, in trouble, and lots of uh, time in solitary confinement. And I went to see the sergeant, and he's looking at me as like, you know, what is wrong with you? And he said, you know, Mocha, I don't get you. He says, you know, look at your record, and you're a jerk-off. You know, what is with you, you know? He says, you're not going to make it, and, uh... I'm going back into the box, 90 days, three months. You know, the, the door closed behind me. I was like, my God. So I was sure that I was going to die in there. I was going to hang up. I was going to take a piece of my, my sheet and tie a knot and hang for the light. And I'm sure they wouldn't give a shit, you know, because it happened umpteen times before me. You know, for the first time, you know, in, in, in my bid, you know, in six years, I was honest about who I was and what I'd done. And who am I fooling? You know, I'm just not this person. I just asked, please let me get through this. Just help me get me through this. 
I started thinking about, you know, you know, all the stuff that I gave up, you know, all my, my ex-wife, my kids, everything else, you know, and all the things that I was going to lose by just not being there, you know, and I just couldn't take it anymore. You know, I just thought, I can't do this anymore. And I asked for paper and pencil, and all the people that I kind of cut out of my life that I didn't talk to anymore, I wrote them. I just wanted to tell people that I'm alive, you know, and I'm thinking of them, and, you know, there's a possibility that one day when I do get out, we can hang out and, you know, see what's what. And the interesting thing was that everybody that I wrote to wrote back to me, say, Mark, you know, we're just waiting for you, you know, to get your head right. I was released in 2005. You know, I had been in jail 12 years, and you know, and it was scary. I mean, it was like really, you know, I mean, I grew up in New York, and I knew everything about New York, but New York had changed. I did not even know how to get on the subway. My mom worked at Columbia University. I actually just showed up at her office and said, hi, mom, I'm home. And she was just amazed to see me. There she was, without judgment, without anything, just with love. And it was good to see her. It was amazing, you know. Now, as you might imagine, things have taken quite a turn for Mark Mocha. He went on to get a degree in social work and now spends his day securing health care for the homeless. Thank you, Mark Mocha, for sharing your story with the SNAP. It was brought to us by none other than our own Rita Daniels. You are listening to Snap Judgment, and to hear more stories, visit snapjudgment.org.